Well, it's a sobering reminder we think about every year. It happens to be the 41st anniversary of the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, that made abortion on demand legal in America. It's interesting that that Supreme Court found a constitutional right to privacy to have an abortion. If you look in the Constitution, you never see the word abortion mentioned, and it's kind of a dilemma when uh, new things arise after all these documents were ancient documents. They were written hundreds of years ago. But you know our founders didn't intend that everything about the future would be contained in the Constitution or Bill of Rights. You see, they built our founding documents on the Bible itself. If you were to go back and look at Blackstone's commentary of the law, it was the textbook that trained the early lawyers in America. You realize Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, these were all divinity schools. And America had a Christian foundation. And it was their supposition that if the Bible, if the, uh, they, their laws didn't specifically mention something or it was vague, you'd just go to the Bible and the Bible would provide the solution. But our Supreme Court 41 years ago decided we'll go a different direction, take a step further away from God. That was 55 million Americans ago had lost their lives through abortion. Uh, it, statistics hold true today. Of that bunch, there would be at least 150,000 medical doctors and about a half a million nurses that would be involved in the health care crisis today. So you see, in life, you always reap what you sow. And I bring it up today not to make you feel bad because many of you are like me, first party to an abortion. There's shame, there's guilt, there's all those things. But how many know in God there's forgiveness? Come on, the church is a place of healing. The church is a place where we can bring our mistakes little and big to God. I mean, it's the devil that wants to condemn us and shame us and beat us up. But hopefully we can provide an impetus or a motivation to help other people that are going through a difficult time in their life. Not to just callously say, have your baby, but to, to help them. To help them find if they can't raise it, to help them with an adoption. People would love to have a child. If you look back in America's history, we fought a civil war over slavery. Now today, if you were to talk about slavery, you would think today, how in the world could anybody, and Christians in particular, be involved in anything that was so wrong, clearly wrong? And it's very clear to us today. Well, my hope and prayer is one day in America's future of Jesus tarries, we'll look back to these days and say, how in the world could our nation have uh, uh, aborted so many millions of people in the name of privacy and choice? So we stand today for life. Come on. Life at all stages is valuable to God. The beating of the heart that they can detect as early as I've heard six weeks to the elderly person in the nursing home that offers no value to society. I mean, our value is not in our contribution. Our value is in the fact that we're created in the image of God. Give the Lord a good hand today. <laughs> Worthy of praise. Let me shift gears here. They're going to put a picture on the screen for you. Hey, by the way, if you, we get a little tight in this second service on Sunday for space. We've got lots of space in the first service at 9 or, or Saturdays at 6. We'd love to have you participate there. But during the Proverbs Challenge, someone sent this to my wife, and it caught my eye because I knew I'd be doing this series called I Love My Church. And it said this, if you want to see a hint of your future, look at the six people you spend the most time with. Now, how many know that's a pretty profound if you want to just get a picture of what tomorrow is going to look like, just look at the people that are involved in your world today. If you're young, look at your math teacher. Uh, look at your coach, what they're trying to do in your life. Uh, look at a business partner. Look at a pastor. Uh, look at a life group leader, a D group leader. Or the flip side, uh, uh, you can look at the atheist school teacher that's pushing his or her views of evolution down your throat every time they're around you. Uh, if you want to take a look at who you're going to be like, look at the guy selling you pot. 
Uh, look at the guy that's pushing pornography and child pornography and always trying to get you to take a look. If you want to see who you're going to be like, look at the girl that's always trying to get you to light up and sleep with her. Look at the secretary that's always in flirt mode. If you want to take a picture of your future, what your life is going to be like, look at the people that are closest to you in your world. Uh, that's such a profound spiritual truth that uh, we say, I I'm going to use this morning the phrase that I'll communicate to you, and it's this, it's that the friends will determine your future. Our friends, good or bad, will determine our future. We think, feel so strongly about this here at Church on the Rock that in our mission statement, the mission Jesus gave us to make disciples, here's how we say we do it, and I want you to use your fingers, four fingers to illustrate with me. We connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Come on one more time. Our mission, our vision, our purpose, our process. We connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. And this series, I Heart My Church, I'm telling you how to get closer to God through what your local church is trying to do in your life. And last week we talked about how the church helps you connect with God. You remember the three big things? It was 15 minutes a day with God. Most important part of your life and your day is your daily devotion with God. The second thing was we talked about the place of worship services, their role in our life, why they're valuable. And lastly, we also talked about committing to a process of spiritual growth. That is, it could be a class. It could be a life group. It's something to help you get out of diapers. Remember the diapers last week? It's something to help you grow up as a Christian. Well, that's what we talked about last week, and I felt so strongly about it, about your spiritual growth, that I've come up with three very simple goals for the whole year. And uh, they'll put them on screen, and I want to encourage you to practice these every day and every week in your life, because I guarantee you, you will be a stronger Christian than you do if you do. I guarantee you'll be closer to God if every day you spend 15 minutes a day with God. That's your daily devotions. We talked a lot about it. You can pick up last week's sermon. Uh, the weekend service plus one. We talked about the role of the weekend service, how it helps you. The plus one I'll talk about today in this pack a week. Well, I'll talk to you about that in a couple weeks. Let me just say it's not cigarettes, okay? But that plus one is what I want to look at today. But it's a weekend worship experience. But it's also another time that you have committed with friends in the life of our church. You could go to a life group. You could go to a class. You could do as uh, some people did last night. They went to the homeless shelter and they serve people. Find something that you can do to be with people and serve the Lord. It's great to come on Sunday, but how many know you need more than just a crowd and a song? There needs to be a smaller circle of people in your life. There needs to be a place for significance as you serve the Lord. So I'm going to mention those to you, and I hope they're a part of your spiritual life because if they are, your life's going to do this. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk about the second part, connecting to friends. But how many know it's not just friends, but it's the right friends? And I'm not talking about people that like you on Facebook. Uh, you may have, you know, thousands of Facebook friends, but that's not what we're talking about. And I think this is going to be a blessing to you as I've entitled the message, Connecting to Friends. Let's uh, keep going this morning. I want you to go back to Proverbs 13.20. Let's use that as a text. Proverbs 13.20, our friends determine our future. And this was the text that came along with that picture about the six friends that my wife got. And uh, here's what the proverb says. It says, whoever walks with the wise will becomes wise. That is, if you keep company with wise people, you'll end up being like them. But a companion of fools will what? Suffer harm. So there's the contrast. The people you hang out with will determine your future. Uh, along with the, with the text my, my wife got, it said this about the bottom part there, about the companion of fools. It says, it's God's way of eloquently saying you hang out with dogs and you get fleas. 
Uh, how many have some friends that are fleas? Come on, the fleas hop off on you. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, we have a, a dog. His name is Tucker. Uh, my wife insists he's not a house dog, but he thinks he is, and he barges in every once in a while. And uh, my wife almost loses her salvation when he goes to scratching around the house because he, she doesn't want his fleas to get on her. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Paul said, uh, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. If you want a living de- definition of this, Justin Bieber. You heard about him this week. We may even have a picture of him there. Now, not too long ago, not too long ago, he was, you know, uh, my kids would watch him on Disney, and he was a a little hero to teenagers. But uh, just this past week, uh, he's all grown up now. He's officially grown up, and uh, he'd been smoking dope all day, driving his, I think, yellow Ferrari, and uh, recording records. And for some odd reason, the police stopped him, and he just didn't know why they were taking him to jail. And uh, he bombed him about 15 times, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, finally, the INS found out about it, and they made deport him to Canada. Now, can you, I can tell you exactly why this happened. Instead of hanging out with wise people, he started hanging out with fools. And then a fool became a fool. It's as easy as that. Now, that's kind of the first part, the second part of that verse about the companion of fools. But I want to focus on the, the good part. The first part, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. This is an inescapable truth in life that you're going to become like the people that are closest to you. Absolute fact. You're going to become like them. As I was preparing this message, I was kind of meditating on my life. And uh, when I was a boy, uh, I was raised on a farm. And it's between two large metroplexes in Mississippi. One was called Hernando and the other was called Coldwater. I'm sure you've heard exactly where they are. Um, that was the only joke I had. I have this dry sense of humor and it just, it just goes over. Anyway, I lived out in the country and I didn't have any friends. So my friends were animals. And uh, I had uh, probably three or four dogs all the time. Uh, I, I had chickens. I had cats. We had herds of cats because we had dairy cows. But anyway, I also had a goat. Her name was Lucy. She was a nanny goat and had horns about that long. Well, uh, we had a dairy, and the cows would be let out in this field. 20-acre field had grass in it to grow. When it was time for the cows to be brought to milk in the evening, I had a job, something that's foreign to many kids today, but I had a real J-O-B, and it taught me how to W-O-R-K, and that made me a little more successful in life. How many know that's a good philosophy for life today? Well, anyway, we didn't have four-wheelers back then. We didn't have horses. What got our cows up was me. And uh, I I just was this skinny guy, just one solid muscle, and I loved to run. I could run so much. This is a true story. I could chase chickens until they passed out. I mean, literally. Uh, it's, it, I, you may not believe me, but we had this big cow barn, and uh, the kid, chickens would invariably get out, and wanted to put them back in the pen, and I would just go to running after them. That poor little chicken just <laughs> hanging out her beak. Anyway, so I'd run to get these cows, and uh, my dogs followed me. Now, they were not cattle dogs like you see on TV, you know, where they gave the command and they run the cows up. This was just basic dogs. And, uh, but you know what? I start chasing the cows, and the dogs start chasing me. And then the most amazing thing happened. The goat started chasing the dogs. I, true story now. So here he is. You've got this 11, 12-year-old kid chasing cows. You've got some other dogs that think they're cow dogs now chasing, and you've got the goat going bah, 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 behind all of us. And she's doing that because a friend influenced her to follow him. Now, you may think that's a little bizarre and odd, but I can tell you this. About 17, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd. Come on. And my grades and my life and everything went this way. And when I became 19, I came to Christ, and I got a new circle of friends. Come on now. 
I didn't just kick people out, but I just told them about Jesus and they kicked me out. But you know what? You're going to become like the people you hang out with, so it's probably better to hang out with the right folks. Now, here's the, here's the heart of my message today. Every one of us needs three kinds of people in our life to, to, to reach the max that God has for you. You need a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Let me tell you who they are. A Paul is someone that's a little more spiritually mature than you. A Paul is someone that can disciple or mentor you. You also need Barnabases. Barnabases are just guys you can have fun with. But listen now, they're not just any friend. They're committed Christian friends. There's somebody that's tight with God and tight with you, okay? And the third kind of friend you need is you need a Timothy. A Timothy is someone that you can, you, just like you received from Paul, now you can give to them and you can be their Paul. You see, that's the legacy of our life, our, our Timothys. So I'm going to go over each one of these and I'm going to suggest to you that you and I both need the three, these three types of people in our life. Uh, I met with a Paul this week. He preached for us Wednesday night. My friend Jeff Wickwire had breakfast with him for two hours, and my cup just overflowed. Uh, I'm going to be meeting this week with some more friends, doing some planning, some pastors. And uh, they've been friends pastoring for 30 years, and we'll just iron, sharpen, iron together. Well, you need these three, and they're going to make a difference. But guess what? They're in this room today. They're in one of the services today. There's Pauls all over this room. There's Barnabases all over this room, and there's Timothys all over this room looking for a Paul. Let's understand what I'm talking about today. Philippians chapter 2. First, I need a Paul to disciple or to mentor me. Now, Paul and Timothy had a very special relationship. Philippians 2.22, Paul wrote that, You know Timothy's proven worth, how as a, say it with me, son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. As a son with a father, he served with me. Now, my daddy taught me how to drive a tractor. My daddy taught me how to fix a fence. Uh, my daddy taught me how to plant a garden. My daddy taught me how to, how, to, how to set the cultivator to cultivate the corn. And to, I mean, my dad taught me things in life. But now Paul is saying, I taught this boy, even though he wasn't my biological son, I taught him spiritual things that's going to expand God's kingdom. Now, the modern term for this is mentoring. Uh, it describes a relationship. The biblical term is discipling. Uh, both terms mean the same. It means to teach or to train a follower. It means to teach or train someone who wants what you have. Now, Jesus, if you remember Mark 117, it's very interesting. Jesus, uh, p uh, p the people described as Christians were believers but also followers. And I fear too many of us are believers but we're not followers. We have Christianity in our head but we never worked it out in our life. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark 1.17. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus said this. He said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So his followers were disciples. And think about this. He trained 11 guys for three years. And here's basically how he did it. He said, okay, I want you, 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 and you. And you guys are going to, I want you to follow me and I'll teach you how to change the world is basically what he said. And they said, okay, we'll go. And for a while, Jesus did everything. I mean, Jesus would go out and he would pray for people that were sick and somehow they'd be miraculously healed. And he'd help people get free from demonic activity. And he would teach truths that people could live by. Uh, he would confront the religious injustice and all these things. And then one day, Jesus said, hey, I want you to do it today and I'm going to watch you. And they said, well, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if we can do that. Yes, you can. I'll be right here. So he kicked them out of the boat just a little bit, and they went out, and they did it, and they came back and said, we did do it. And Jesus said, great job, great job. And then that happened a little while, and then one day Jesus said, I'm going to stay home today, okay? Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to watch the game, uh, but I want you guys to go out and do the work, okay? Uh, and they said, well, 
okay, we're going to do it. He sent out 12. He sent out 70. They all came back and said, hey, we're doing it. And Jesus said, now you got the ticket. That's how we're going to change the world. They were following Jesus. They were being mentored by the Master. And then just in a short while, Jesus went back to heaven. And we're very comfortable with this in the natural world. For example, if you want to be a doctor, you don't just graduate from medical school and with knife in hand, come on, ready to start cutting on people. No, you go to the hospital and you intern or you're trained somewhere. Uh, you can be trained in practical things. I've got a little, my son's become quite the woodworker. Uh, I think I got a little picture of him they're going to put up. He's making a doghouse there. And uh, uh, he, uh, he, he's got this, this uh, uh, but he's a pretty cool dog. He trained to quail hunt, and uh, we've been quail hunting a couple times. But I, I didn't know how to woodwork. I mean, I can drive a nail, but I don't know how to really make anything. But Rick Pitts, an elder in our church, uh, has such a passion for woodwork. It makes just some of the most pretty stuff you've ever seen. And uh, he, he makes things. Well, he wanted to do a ministry to people. He said, look, I'll teach you how to do woodwork, and uh, we'll talk about Jesus at the same time. And my son went three, four, five times, and now he's got a house full of furniture that even his girlfriend likes. I mean, you, you, you need a mentor, though, come on, to be able to teach someone what, to, what they don't know. So this is a biblical process, and you need a Paul to do it. This principle, we need someone more mature in Christ to train us. Here's a good scripture, Titus chapter 2. Because if you don't do this, you're going to end up wearing pull-ups all your life. Come on. You'll be a 25-year-old believer in baby diapers. Notice what Paul said to Titus, Titus 2, verse 4. He said, older women must train the younger women. Train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and, and be pure. Train the, now isn't that interesting? That, that to be a Paul, you don't have to have gone to seminary. You just simply have to be a mature Christian that's a little bit farther ahead of somebody. And you know what? You can look around the room and you can see people that need help. You can, you can watch a, a single mom come in the room, and you can watch her kids, and you say, my God, those kids are headed straight for jail unless somebody helps them. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit said, why don't you help them? You know how to raise kids. Come on. She needs a friend. She needs a helper. She needs more than just a babysitter. She needs somebody to mentor her. So, see, when I say there's Pauls all in this room, listen, every one of us have the potential to be a Paul for somebody in their life. Uh, Moses, uh, Moses... Moses had, had, had Joshua, and he poured into his life. See, this idea of, of, of mentoring people, it's real. You see, what it does is Moses has Joshua, Elijah has Elisha. I had uh, my father in the faith was my wife's dad, Pastor Kenneth Tracy. Uh, when I was a young, uh, in the military, I started going to his church, and uh, he said, hey, I'll train you, but I want you to come to early morning prayer. Now, think about this. Your day off is Saturday. Six in the morning is a two-hour prayer meeting. But guess what? I got to spend some time with a guy that was doing what I want to do because we'd have breakfast afterwards. And that was some, one of the most important times of my life. I got a business degree and then I went to seminary. But the time I spent with someone that was a little further down the road with me, come on, you'll get things that you'll never learn in the book. Everybody needs a Paul. And I'll tell you, friends, if you don't know where one may be, I guarantee you this little ministry guide is filled with Pauls that can help you, and they're here if you'll take a peek. Give the Lord a good hand there. You need a Paul. Here's the second one. You need a Barnabas. Now, when I say a Barnabas, I'm talking about your inner circle of friends. I'm not talking about the hundred people you know and you hang out with and all, but I'm talking about your inner circle. Now, let's look at a scripture, Acts 9, 27. The context, Saul, 
mind you, he's been converted. You remember the Lord knocked him off his horse. He saw this miraculous vision, and he has this transformation, and now they're calling him Paul. The only problem is he was persecuting the church, and the existing church members and the apostles were thinking it was just a ruse, and they were scared of him. Well, lo and behold, Barnabas is the man God uses to build the bridge. Verse 27, Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he'd seen the Lord and how at Damascus he'd preached boldly in the name of Christ. So after that, lo and behold, what happens is then then the people say, okay, well, if it's good enough for Barnabas, come on in. He's going to be in the Christian club. Now, Paul and Barnabas had a relationship over time that I'm going to just say is they were committed friends. Paul one day became an apostle as well. You know, in Acts 13, when the Gentile mission started, God didn't just cause Paul, he called Barnabas, lest we ever forget. You know, both these men, neither had a wife. Both had to raise their own support. There was a special offering being raised for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Churches would raise the money, and they'd give the money to Paul and Barnabas, and they'd say, look, we trust you to take it there with them. Now, these guys walked together serving the Lord. Uh, later on in life, they kind of bumped heads over John Mark, and they separated a bit. But for the most of their time together, they were committed Christian friends. And here's what the Bible would call that. It's uh, Proverbs 27, 17. It says, uh, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. And then what is it going to say? As one man sharpens another. Now, if you're a chef or, or if you know someone who is, if you've been to a restaurant, they'll take a, what's called a steel. And it, it, it's, uh, it's this instrument about this long. It's very hard. It's coarse. And you'll take a knife and you just take that knife and rub it across the steel. And you just see them. I mean, they do it like that. You're scared they're going to cut their hand off. But before they know it, they have a scalpel in their hands because this iron had the potential to sharpen. Well, that's exactly what every one of us needs in a friend. I need Christian friends that are really living the life. Come on, not just Sunday go to meeting crowd of Christians. Because if I've got some of those people in my life, it's going to help me be a stronger Christian. Look, during this last three weeks of fasting, if you're my friend and uh, I'm getting ready to shove some candy in my mouth or, or drink a pop and you're saying, I thought we were fasting from, uh, from Cokes uh, this month. Oh, yeah, sorry. I need, a friend that is, I need a friend that has real Christian character. So when we go to the movies together and we both know when the scene's coming that we just decided we're not, not going to be a part of our life, we both know we should get up, but how many know if you've got a, a, a guy of conviction with you there, you're more apt to get up when you should rather than just let's watch this one time. Because if you just keep pursuing that past before you know it, sin doesn't bother you anymore. See, I need strong Christian friends. And, now, don't get me wrong. You want to love everybody. You want to hang out with everybody. Jesus was called a friend of prostitutes and sinners, but his closest circle were the 11, and even in the 11, Peter, James, and John were the three that he was closest to. And that's what I'm talking about as your Barnabas. You need a couple people in your life, maybe one person in your life, but someone that you can just be real about living life with. And the last thing, of course, you're looking for them is somebody who duck hunts and turkey hunts. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's up my alley there. No, but really, that's just about living life together because all of the Christian life is not just about going to church, come on, and Bible. I mean, you live life, you have fun, you go ski and you do things in life, but you're doing it with people that share the same Christian values as you do. Yesterday, I, I went duck hunting, last day of the season, and a friend of mine said, hey, I got a place you can go, but I can't go with you. And I said, well, great. And I called one friend, he said, no, I can't go. And then I called another one, and he said, well, I can't go either. I've got to be doing something at 9 o'clock. I said, I'll have you back at 8.30. And he said, okay, I'm in. 
So we go out there, and he had a hole in his waders, and we were freezing. But, but we were just kind of talking about life. And we were talking about what he's involved in, some challenges that's before him, and, and how it's going. And uh, I, could just, I could just hear that, that in his life and in my life, both were sharpening each other. And uh, then we got cold and decided we'd go get a bite to eat because there wasn't any ducks. And uh, we had a very, very private conversation about an issue that uh, one of us was struggling with. Had we not had, one of us could have ended up in the ditch. And can I tell you, it's a life-saving conversation that you have with somebody. It's a conversation, come on, that keeps you out of adultery. Come on, that keeps you from stealing something that will cause you to lose your job and end up in the newspaper. I'm telling you, you need people in your life that are close enough that can get in there with you and ask those tough questions. Come on, punch your neighbor and say, everybody needs a Barnabas. Now, let me give you the last one. You need a Paul that's going to that's gonna teach you how to live. You need a Barnabas just to live life together. But you need this last one, and this last one is you need a Timothy. You need a Timothy to, to, to mentor or to disciple. Now, let me give you this verse. And of everything in the message today, if you hadn't heard, if you've checked out on me, check back in because this is the most important scripture I've shared. I thought about making this my text today because this is the nucleus for how a gospel message that started with one man, Jesus, ended up today, there's two to three billion followers of Christ all over the world. And it's encapsulated in the scripture. Listen to what he said. Second Timothy 2. Paul again writing to Timothy directly, and he says, You then, what did he call him? Now, how many grown people like to be called a child? Let me see your hand here. You're fine with it. Well, I can tell you. Okay. All right. Most of us don't want to be called a child when we grow up. When I was raised, I was raised... Like I said, in the country, my folks got married. They added on to the, my grandparents' homestead there. So uh, the unfortunate thing, though, is we were all named John Henry Miller. <laughs> Granddaddy was the first, Daddy was the second, and I'm the third. So uh, Granddaddy, for whatever reason, he became Big John. Daddy became Junie, and I became Little John. And if you call me that after church, I'll excommunicate you. But anyway... <laughs> uh, it just kind of stuck. I'm 56. I go home today, and people that are still of that generation say, Oh, little John, how are you doing? And I feel like saying, Howdy, back to you too. But anyway, there was none of that here. Paul said, My child, and he's talking about my child in the faith, and there's not a sense of arrogance. It's not a put down. It's not a, I'm better than you, but it's a spiritual relationship. He said, My child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And now listen to this. What you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to who? Faithful men who will be able to do what? Teach others also. Now I want you to see there's four generations of Christianity in this one verse. Stay with this. This is how the world has become Christian. It started with Paul, the spiritual dad. Timothy was his son. And what was Timothy to find? A faithful man, a faithful woman. That's three generations, but the one that you pick, make sure that there's somebody who will also be able to teach others also. So Paul had not only a son, but he had a grandson, and he had a great-grandson in the faith, and the gospel goes forwards. Can I tell you, friend, it is the biblical pattern to expand Christianity around the world. And I want to ask you this question, what kind of legacy are you leaving with your life? You see, you may be young, and you think, oh, I've got years to go, maybe Maybe. There's a lot of variety in age in the obituaries. You never know how long you're going to go, but what kind of legacy are you going to leave with your life? Maybe they'll name a building after you. 
If you go through downtown Texarkana, you know, you've got the Berman Farr Apartments. It was a hardware store at one time. Somebody thought it was cool, so they kept the name, and now it's apartments. There's even, there's even inscribed in some of the stonework in those downtown buildings uh, names of people that whatever owned it in 1908. Nobody has a clue who they are. Most people, the only monument you're going to get is in the cemetery if you happen to be one that has monuments as opposed to one that's flat so they can cut the grass. Maybe they'll name a road after you. Martin Luther King Boulevard, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. They named something after, I, th I think, a former mayor here. I mean, I mean, they name roads after people. But guess what? None of that's going to last. None of that's going to last. Your car, your house, your money, no. What will last, though, is what you've done for people in God's kingdom. You see, it's your Timothys, your spiritual sons and daughters, that are your spiritual legacy. My wife and daughter, plus six or seven other people, are leaving today for a trip to Thailand and the Philippines because a group of women and women pastors in Bible colleges said, would you come and teach us and train us? And they're taking some guys along, and Zach's going to be preaching several times to their church. What is all this about? It's about Paul's producing Timothy's, come on, and taking the gospel a step farther than it is. And this is so powerful. I was in Powerhouse this week, and uh, I snuck in one of their small meetings and my daughter Bethany was there, and Pastor Travis and Whitney, and there was a couple of the college-age leaders there. And they said, you know what, Pastor, Tuesday night we had a Bible study at A&M. Twenty-five kids showed up. But then they said we had another one on Wednesday night, and 26 different kids showed up. So that's 50 kids in a dorm of 150, come on, that have the potential to shape the spiritual environment on the campus. And then this is what really blew my mind. My daughter Bethany, she just graduated from UCA. And last weekend, she had a friend come. I didn't know the girl, uh, but she was really close to Bethany, and she just wanted to come because, you know, they had all their sorority things and all that, good little Christian sorority. But uh, she came back, and, and I finally learned a little bit about this girl. This girl was a sophomore, and uh, when she'd gone, I said, Bethany, tell me about her. She said, well, she was like you. Dad raised a Methodist, but she was not saved. And not Methodist's fault. It's just, you know, she didn't make a step to Christ. But she said, Daddy, I led her to Christ. And then she said, Daddy, I just started teaching her. I said, what did you teach her? And she said, I taught her everything I know about Jesus. So for a couple years, Bethany poured into this girl, would take her to conferences with her and training and different things, personal discipleship. Well, guess what? Bethany's left UCA. She's back in Texarkana. But guess who just took Bethany's place as a spiritual leader on the campus? It's Skylar. And that's the way Christianity is supposed to be lived. And if all you're doing, listen, I'm glad you come to church, but it's this weekend plus one that has the potential to be transformational. It's when you're connecting with other people and you're finding a Timothy in your world that you can give what you've got and then you see them going to do something great for Christ. My friend, we need people like that in our life. We need a Paul. We need a Barnabas. Come on. And we need a Timothy. Give the Lord a good hand here. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to close with where we began in our text, Proverbs 13, 20. Remember it said, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So here's the question I want to ask you today. Uh, if our friends determine our future, who are the most important people in your life? Are they wise or are they foolish? Are they building you up or are they tearing you down? We've got about five, six minutes here before we go. You know, oftentimes you go to church, and, and let's say you get to lunch, and you met a friend at lunch, and you say, they say, well, how was church? It was great. What, was it, what did he talk about? Uh, uh, God? 
and the, Jesus, no, Jesus and the Bible. Okay, good start. But wouldn't it be great if for just a moment or two before we check out, if the Holy Spirit might really just underscore something in your life? Wouldn't it be great in these last couple minutes that you could really think about your life? And maybe there's some people in your world that are bringing you down. Maybe there's some people that the Holy Spirit wants you to kind of rearrange with a little bit, put some distance between you and them. But maybe the Holy Spirit wants to say, look, you can't find a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas all at once, but maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you need some Barnabases. You need to find some strong Christian friends. And you need to make a resolve in your heart today. That's the one thing I'm going to do this week. I'm going to start looking. I don't care if I'm looking in this ministry guide. That's a great, great starting place. You know. But I'm going to start looking for someone that can be my friend, that can help me share this Christian journey. Or maybe you're at the place of you're realizing, I've got to grow, and I need somebody to help me, but I'm going to start looking. I want you to just take the next couple of minutes here, you that are Christians, because this has been a message to Christians. And just ask yourself this question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because I want to take the last two minutes here, three minutes, and I want to talk to you that may not be a Christian. I, I lived under the illusion when I was a boy that everybody was just went to heaven, I thought, you know. I mean, you, axe murders may not make it, but, you know, most people go to heaven. And after all, you just have to be more good than bad. And mom made me go to church, and that's kind of it. But that's not what it's about. Being a Christian is about following Jesus. It's not just believing some Bible facts. It's not just having a Bible story. But it's having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationships with people are great, but the most important relationship in the world is your personal relationship with your Savior. I never knew as a boy the scripture that said, as many as received him, to those he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. I, I didn't know that I had to make a step to Christ. I thought it was just kind of in my head. I didn't know that I had to walk away from my old life to turn to follow him, and that's what it meant to be a Christian. Because you see, like many of you that are here today, I tried to find happiness in lots of places when I was a late teenager. And if you can imagine, there's a bucket inside of our heart and that's a, it's a God-shaped void. And we're never truly happy in life. We're never truly fulfilled. We never truly have our sense of purpose until that bucket's been filled with the right thing. And we try to put stuff in it. Have you noticed that? Some people think that, well, uh, I, I'll, I'll, put, uh, I'll put alcohol in it. You remember the days perhaps when you drink on weekends and before you know it, you're drinking every day and then before you know it, you're drinking two or three times a day or smoking or whatever. What started to make you happy, and you woke up one day and it didn't make you happy. It just made some more problems in your life. Because whatever you put in, it just poured out the hole. Maybe you thought, well, if I just get enough education. And you pushed yourself for a long, long time. And you got the education you wanted. But when you got there, it, 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 that didn't do it. Or, or maybe it's things and stuff and money. And you set yourself on a course to have the finest and best. And when you bought the finest and best, and I don't care if it's a turkey decoy or a TV or a car, next year they got a better one. And at some point you said, the heck with that. That's not making me happy. Maybe you've tried to find happiness in a relationship with someone. You know, we're in the arms of someone. And before you know it, it wasn't just one someone. It was one someone after another. And before you know it, you're looking for a someone every night. And that doesn't do it. I tell you, there's only one thing that will satisfy the deep yearning of a person's heart and soul, and that's when Jesus Christ fills that God-shaped void. You'll never be complete. You'll never be happy. You'll never have an ultimate sense of purpose until you have a relationship with God. And it has a starting point, and it could be for you today. If what I'm saying to you really resonates with you, 
I believe that's the Holy Spirit using me to talk to you. And I'm not asking you to join a church today. I'm just trying to point you to the Christ on the cross to tell you that He said if you would receive Him as your Savior, He'd change your life. That if you would believe in Him, that He'd offer you the gift of eternal life. But you had to be willing to turn and walk away from your old life to follow Christ. Now I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment. I'd like to pray for you and give you something to help you. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want your prayer. I want to commit my life to Christ today. It could be the first time you've ever made this commitment or maybe you made it a while back in your life. But today, you want to, you want to get back on track with God. You want Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you want to follow Him. If these are you this morning, my friend. If you want to get right with God and you want our prayers, I want you to just lift your hand real quickly today. Just do it quickly. I want to pray for you. I promise we won't embarrass you. God bless you. Come on, give my hand. God bless you. One, two, three. God bless all of you guys. God bless all of you. Somebody else say, pray for me. I want to get my life right with Christ today. I want to put my life in the Master's hand. Anybody else this morning? Some, over here? Is it a hand over here? Wave a hand at me here so I can see who you are. Yeah, okay. Give them a hand. God bless you. I see you in the corner. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. You say, you say what are you doing, Pastor? I'm calling people out of darkness into light. I, I'm telling people there's a better way, but they've got to put their trust in Christ. I'm telling them what Jesus said. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. I'm telling you, friend, if you won't make a step to Christ when people will clap and shout your decision, you will not make the step in the workplace tomorrow. Come on, the pressures will be too great. Anyone else today say, pray for me. I'm done. Pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ today. God bless you. We're very proud of you. I'm glad I waited today. Praise the Lord. All right, I want you that lifted your hands, come on up. Let us pray for you. Bring a friend if you like. You that lifted your hands, come on up. Let us pray for you. We want to give you something. Come on in the back. Come on up. Let us pray for you. Got something I want to put in your hand here. God bless you. Come on up. promise you. Won't embarrass you. I want to give you something to help you. Give you something to help you. God bless you. Why don't you all just make your way right over to the cross. Somebody will be there, and they'll help you. It's the best decision you've ever made in your life. The best decision you've ever made in your life. God bless you. We're real proud of you. We're real proud of you. I want everybody else to stand. We're going to close with prayer for all of us today. Hey, hadn't today been a great day? Praise the Lord. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. Don't forget tonight we're having that special service right here at 630. And uh, just kind of a way to, uh, to draw close to the Lord in this time of prayer and fasting. be a great time. But I want to make a personal place for prayer for you before we go. If you've got two minutes. You're here today and you walked in with a problem. You walked in with a need. You walked in with a need for something. Don't walk out with it. I cannot promise you that if you've got a big problem with the IRS that you brought in church, coming up to this altar is going to make it disappear. But what I can tell you is this. You can find a strength in God and a peace in God that God will help me face whatever's in front of me. There's something that can happen in the place of prayer. You could be sick in your body, and the Bible says, call for the elders of the church. Let them pray and anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. I don't know what it is. It could be a family issue, a trouble. You could have a burden for someone else. But if there's a particular prayer need, maybe something in this message touched you. Maybe when I talked about some friends that you need to kind of get away from, they're bringing you down, but it would be hard. Let us pray for you. Whatever it may be, I want our prayer team to come right now around the front. Come on, guys are going to pray for you. They're going to line up right across the front here. There's somebody for you. Why don't you just come on out right with them if you need prayer, and someone will stand with you and believe for God to help you. Pastor Nick, sing us, sing us one last song there. And uh, as she does, you need prayer. You come, and we'll sing it one time and dismiss. I love you very much. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be.